In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you for the spirit of Christ that is inside us. We give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, today again we have come to learn. We have come to hear. We receive from you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Amen. In the knowledge of truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And let's take our declaration of understanding. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and shake the person and say amen. Amen. Turn to another person and say amen. Amen. Turn to one more person and say amen. Amen. As you are doing that, what you are saying to the person, that what you have declared will happen in your life. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. I'll have a small teaching for us today before we continue praying. It's our school of prayer. The church, Peter and Cole, in the beginning... When the church was increasing, they said we must not neglect prayer and the ministry of the word. I was reading one version, it said it's public prayer. That is the importance of leading the people in prayer. That it must not be neglected. That is something that is crucial. And one thing I want to emphasize again today is that if it was not so important, the Lord would not have laid so much emphasis on it. The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced and the more I try to practice it. Jesus said, pray without ceasing. Pray without giving up. Pray without losing heart. Pray without getting tired. Pray and don't let any other thing, don't let anything distract you from praying. Why is that important? Because what God wants to do on the earth will not be done except we pray effective prayers. God has done it in such a manner that we and him, we are working together. We are co-laborers with him. What he wants to do on the earth, we're looking at it. The first thing he does is to reveal them Surely the Lord God does nothing except he reveals his secret counsels to his servants, the prophets. Why does he do that if it was not important? It's, he does that because without that revelation, they cannot pray effectively. They cannot prophesy into the earth. And if they don't do these two things, what he wants to do will not be done. Let's bear that in mind. It's so important we get it. All right. What we need to know as Christians is how to pray effectively. Prayers. That's why the Lord led us to start doing these teachings. And we're doing it for years now. And we have, I don't know, it should be a few hundreds right now of teachings on prayer on our website. In our collection is there. Let's take advantage of those things, you know, and learn. Because it's important we pray prayers that are effective. It's very important. One of the things that distract people from praying prayers that are effective is personal need. Personal need is actually a distraction. Do you understand? It's put in front of us, you know, and we gather and we start praying and firing at those things constantly. And occasionally we get results and somebody comes with a testimony of how he or she 
prayed all the time for his personal needs. He focused on his personal problems. She focused on her personal problems. Or eventually something broke. You understand my point? And becomes a testimony. But that does not take away the words of the Lord Jesus. Jesus told us clearly, we must not forget, we must never take anything from it. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those personal needs will be added to you. It is not only what we ask God for when it comes to personal needs, you understand, that he gives to us. There are many things we will not ask him for, he will still add to us. We remember the story of the Shunammite woman. You know, Elisha was in her house. The woman was honoring the man of God because he was a prophet. Jesus said, if you receive a prophet because he's a prophet, you will get a prophet's reward. Do you get my point? She received a prophet in the name of a prophet, like Jesus said. She was not looking for her own personal need. She was not thinking about anything for herself. He just said, this is a holy man of God that's passing by us every day. That's why she used to host him in the house. So the woman was not looking for anything for herself. She was honoring the man because... He was a prophet. And yet, when, of course, the man was so impressed. The man called her, what do you want us to do for you? She said, what? Nothing. Should we speak to the king? Nothing. Should we speak to the chief of the army staff? Nothing. Speak to the IG of police? Nothing. What do you want? He said, I'm, I live amongst my people. I'm well taken care of. Yet, and Gehazi said to Elisha, she does not have a son. Elisha said, call her here. I'll be back next year. By that time, you'll be holding a son in your hands. You'll be rocking a little boy. And the woman said, don't lie to me. That, is, that was not even a prayer point. Do you get my point here? Yeah? Yet God gave it to her. So Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things shall be added. Let's not forget that. What I'm going to do again in this series is to narrow us on one crucial intercessory prayer. Now, some time ago, we talked on the most important prayer. And then we were talking about prayer for ourselves, actually. When I was explaining that, we took Psalm 119 and showed how all the Lord wants us to pray for ourselves, actually, is that we may know him more, that we may understand him better. He will open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of his law, that will show, he will show us his precepts. While people are talking about us, we are meditating on his testimonies. While enemies are gathering, we are meditating on his statutes. That is, our prayer for ourselves all the time is that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in more respects, to bear fruit in every good work, and always increase in the knowledge of God. That's our own personal prayer for ourselves. Are you getting my point? Yes, sir. I turn the prayer around. It's the establishment of the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things shall be what? Added. Even that prayer for ourselves is the establishment of God's kingdom in our hearts, in our lives. Let me say it again. We have cheated ourselves by spending so much time praying about the things that we need. We have cheated ourselves. We have not allowed God to reward us. We have tried to control our lives all the time. We have taught ourselves, or we have been taught by Okimuti and Co. That if you want to marry, you would paint a picture on the wall. Okay, it's not Okimuti, just that he's the only, he's, he's my scapegoat. <laughs> that you paint a picture on the wall, you will look at it all the time, and then it will come. And we thought it was Christianity. That is not Christianity, it is spiritualism. 
You may have testimonies, doesn't make it right. Are you getting my point? Joseph did not pray like that. He got a wife. From all the records we have, she was good. Joseph's wife was never a prayer point from what we know. When you're in prison, you're praying, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Who prays that kind of prayer? You're in prison. You're in prison. You're in prison. Of course, that was not his prayer point. If God said, ask me what I will do for you, what is he Send me back home. Yet God took him to the throne of Egypt and gave him a wife as he was mounting the throne. She was never a prayer point. God still adds things to people. He came to Solomon, ask for anything I can do for you. Solomon said, in the midst of everything, my father taught me to ask for only one thing. Are you getting my point? And he said, what is that one thing? So that I can be effective in the ministry that you have given me. Give me wisdom. I'm young. Oh, God gave Solomon two kinds of wisdom. He first gave him the kind of wisdom he asked for, and he gave him the kind of wisdom which I call even unnecessary wisdom. Let me put it like that. You get my point? Go and read Ecclesiastes. Talk about the philosopher. That was what he, he, he was. He spoke poems. He understood astronomy. He understood plant life, animal life. He understood economics, commerce. Solomon was a master of foreign relations. One of the reasons why he didn't have to fight any war was not just that his father had fought all the wars. That was there. But he also knew international relations. He knew how to make the nation prosper. When Israel prospered under him, it was an expression of the wisdom that God had given him. Things he did not even ask for. And then God, on top of that, gave him long life. He gave him prosperity. He gave him the lives of his enemies. Why? He just asked for one thing. But we still think that I have to ask for every other thing. No. Let's get our prayers right. Let's open again to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Just want to emphasize what we are saying. And then before I now go into the main thing which we began last time. The most important focus we should have for our intercessory prayer. We've talked about the fact that we are prayer warriors. We are people that the Lord listens to. Because of one, the righteousness by faith that we have through our faith in the Lord Jesus. And then because of our practice of faith, we have established that God doesn't listen to you because you have the formula. God asks, I like that expression, He has to know who is talking. It is who is talking that's most important. It's not how he is talking. Are you getting my point? Who is the person? That is what is called righteousness. That you can speak and heaven will listen. That an angel will be dispatched to go and answer one person's queries. That's Daniel. Daniel was looked at and he was told, you are a man of high esteem. That God looked and told Jeremiah, I called you before you were born. I consecrated you. You are a prophet to the nations. Thank you very much. But on this matter, I will not listen to you. He said, if you like, listen to this, go and recruit Moses and go and recruit Samuel. I still will not listen. That tells you, when matters are hard, you can get more powerful people to pray. <laughs> you get my point? And God was telling him, Moses is more powerful. Samuel, more powerful than you, Jeremiah. Recruit them, I still will not listen. God respects names in that regard. When he says he's no respecter of persons, he was talking about whether you are rich or poor. 
who your father is, who's your father, who your father is not. But when it comes to personal relationship, he said Enoch walked with God until he was not, and God took him. There's a way you walk with God, he takes you. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. It doesn't need to be at the same level. So what we need to do, all right, is walk with him until our words are very powerful. I like the way I like it. I mean, the way it happened with that woman that was uh, that had the issue of blood. She touched Jesus in the midst of a multitude thronging thee. You know, that's what Peter said. Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. Then why are you now saying, who touched me? That it's possible for one million people to be praying, and God is hearing one person. And it's in the Bible like that. The eye of the Lord runs to and fro the whole earth. All of them are praying. They've gone to camp. They've gone to convention. They're all there praying. They're all doing prayer fasting, prayer rally. He said, but he's looking for one person whose heart is perfect towards him, whose heart is fully his. It is to that person he will show himself strong. I've established that. But what should that person use his or her prayer time for? That's what I want to look at again. Of course, I've established the fact that intercessory prayer, praying for other things beyond yourself, is the primary assignment. But what is the most important focus in that area? We began to look at that last time. Let's look at that uh, book of um, Matthew chapter 6 again. He said, beware. This is just to give a scriptural connection to what we have just explained. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men so as to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Bear that in mind. When you practice righteousness, there is a reward with the Father who is in heaven. But if you do it before men so as to be noticed by them, you lose that reward. So when you give to the poor, do not put cameras on you and start shouting, the man of God is giving rice to the poor right now. He's giving cassara to the poor right now. Look at the man of God. Are you getting my point? You say that all the time. You come and say, man of God is in there. Jesus, you know, people are, you know, Christians are very funny. They say he's doing good works. They say the man of God is doing good works. I say, well, you know, <laughs> we don't know how to think again. I ask, I want to ask, how do you know he's doing good works? It's not because cameras focus on him. One day I saw the man of God. He was, they were carrying bags of rice. He was walking down the street. They were giving one bag. He would throw it here. Give one bag. I said, hypocrite, Pharisee. The very things people used to say you are a man of God is how I know you cannot possibly be a man of God. If you are, you are too ignorant. Because Jesus said, beware of doing. <laughs> he said, beware of giving to the poor. That's what my Bible says, the New American Standard. So when you give to the poor, do not carry NTA, AIT. Channels. One pastor did the other day, built his school. He said it is free. How did I know? AIT. Yeah. And so many of the men, many of, so many of these men of God that you criticize, and you be comparing them to the prophets in Lagos, and the one in Port Harcourt, is because they obey scriptures. When they do good works, there will be no television, there will be no press. Yes, sir. And when they bought their private jet, they didn't call you. You are the one that went and poke nosed. They are living their lives. You are letting the world toss you to and fro. The men are just living their lives. They obey scriptures. <laughs> they don't go and carry cameramen. Sometimes some, some of our big men, we, we, we fall for it. When they are finished criticizing us and criticizing us, we start disobeying Jesus. When they have abused us for flying private jets, which in case you don't know, I believe in. You know anyway, what am I telling you? I was like, ah, have you not bought? Do I look like I have that kind of money? What's wrong with you? <laughs> They ask me, they ask me very funny question. I've not changed my car. We buy a private jet. I was to get my, we not, don't buy a fleet for Kingdom World. 
If I just sell down the kingdom, one kingdom, two kingdom, three kingdom, four. <laughs> Bros, <laughs> we don't get that kind of faith or that kind of money yet. The Lord is good. But like I always say, what's a private jet? Is it two for a man that has private money and is going to private places? That's it. It's not my money. It's not my place. Fly where you are going. Nothing concerns me. But we, when, we, are, when we, are, we don't understand what's going on in life, when we think everybody's at our level, we now open our mouths and start talking. Just because the men have not gone out to go and do their good works before men. The men who do some of the biggest good works in this life, you don't know who they are. The assignment from God is do your good works and don't spread the news by yourself. Let's continue reading. So when you give to the poor, do not send the trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Oh my God, that name is so appropriate. They do it in the synagogues. And in the streets. And in the streets of Lagos. Thank you. Look at him. Oh God. That's the definition of hypocrisy. You come out of a synagogue and go to the streets to share out rice. So that they may be honored by men and they are getting the honor. Today I say to you, they have their reward in full. He said, but when you give to the poor, do not let your right, left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Don't make it a habit, Christians. Let's not make bad things a habit of always going to the front. Who's giving one million? You have jumped to the front. Want to give one million? Bring out your phone. Transfer it. Put off the phone. Sit down there. They will get the alert. These are the things Jesus commanded about. Why are we pretending? You know why we do that? We don't trust that people will do it except you compel them through recognition. They say, ah, so that other people can copy, they can learn from it. One of our brothers called me one day, he said, how do I tell people in the church? He said, we need some money. Assuming they had needed a million. He said, I have given the, I have given the first 100,000. And I want to motivate people. How do I let them know? I say, it's simple, sir. Just tell them. We need a million naira. Somebody has given us the first 100,000. Shikina. Yeah. He said it's true. He didn't think about it. There's somebody. Who's the somebody? Who does it come, come matter? How does it matter? We are over we are hundreds in the church. How do you motivate Christians? Two ways. One, teach them the word of God. Two, tell anonymous stories. Mm-hmm. Are you getting my point? That's the way it goes. But you doing it, don't desire. You know, don't, don't jump. Say, who's giving one million? You have jumped forward. And pastors, trust. What did I say? Trust. Trust that God will do his thing. Trust that God will motivate people the way he wants to motivate them. Just trust. Relax. I have personal testimony. I mean, I've seen brethren. I'm a member of my alumni fellowship, and I see the way my brethren give. You understand? Nobody comes to the front. Nobody. Like I said before, when I want to ask for money, I ask for it straight. We have never promised anybody any emergency breakthrough. If I used to say it, and you've heard me say it here too, 
I said, it's money we need. I was not sent to come and promise you anything. God didn't say I'll do anything special, so I cannot say it. But giving is good. I don't need to tell you to do something special. He's always doing something special. Your heart has been beating since morning. That's something special. Let it stop for five seconds. You know what I'm talking about. Something special will happen to you that time. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like thinking about my heart. As a matter of fact, before your mother knew she was pregnant, your heart was already beating. Oh, yes. As a matter of fact. Before your mother was aware that she was pregnant. I don't mean that she did not know. She was already six months before she found out. No. I mean she found out within a month of conceiving you. She missed one period that she knew you were in. By the time she was finding out, your heart was already beating. Now you are 30, you are 40, you are 50, you are 60. And I know it has not stopped. That's why you are still here. He's doing something special. Every time he's doing something special. It now said in verse 5, when you pray, this is actually where I was going. So when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. He said, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, that's all I want to read from there. Why am I reading this? Please listen to this. I want to remind us again of what we have taught, one of the doctrines we have learned here, that there is a difference between prayer that gets answers and prayers that get rewards. They can be both. I mean, one prayer can, be, can have fit both. I'm not saying they must be in different categories. But the emphasis on prayer, when we're looking at answers, is different from prayers with reward. If I have a need and I ask the Father for it, your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So we do ask. I'm not saying we never do. If He answers me, that is not a reward. That is an answer. A reward is payment. It's appreciation for work done. Don't let me use the word payment. Let me use the word appreciation. A reward is appreciation for work done. If I wake up in the morning and pray for my business, and God answers it, it's not a reward. It's what? An answer. I mean, I have asked for my own good. Why should I be rewarded? Are you getting my point here? What is a reward for? A reward is when your prayer is seen as work, done for God, done for somebody else. So when Jesus was speaking here, when he said, when you pray, when he said, don't be like hypocrites, you pray loud, pray in secret. Listen, nobody prays loud. Nobody. Nobody prays loud when he's praying for himself. Nobody prays loud when she's praying for herself. We only worship love. Father, we thank you. We worship you. When it's a matter of our need, we'll voice will drop. Shoo. <laughs> we know. We tackle our issues. Jesus doesn't need to tell us not to do it publicly. We, we, we wouldn't do it publicly. So when he's talking about a prayer that has a reward, it's the kind of prayer people will pray loud. It's not for themselves. It's the kind of prayer people will, will they'll be glad to shout about Listen to this. It's a kind of prayer people will nod. Say, look at what this man is praying about. 
It's not the kind of prayer people will ignore. It's the kind of prayer that when you pray loud, it brings you honor. Look at the context. He's talking about don't do this to get honor from men. So when he says that when you pray like this, you have your reward. But if you pray in secret, he said when they pray, he said if you want you pray not to be like the hypocrites, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so they may be seen by men. So you see, these people were shouting loud, praying in street corners. The same way they gave offerings, they also prayed. These were things that they did and got honor amongst men. That cannot be personal prayer. That cannot be prayer that we do so as to get results for ourselves. I want to emphasize something here. That is prayer for the kingdom of God to come. Please follow me. Why would the Pharisees pray for the kingdom? Let me explain something to you. When God wants to do something on the earth, usually there is an air around it. I mean, there's something around. There is there's something in the air that people start perceiving. People start perceiving those things. Interpretation may vary. For example, the whole of Israel was praying for the kingdom of God to come. How do I know? At the end, what did, what did Peter and Co. say to Jesus? Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were waiting for it. We sing like this a lot of times. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. It sounds like praise. Hosanna, Hosanna. Are you getting my point? It sounds like what? Praise. The word Hosanna means save us now. It's not like hallelujah. Hallelujah is praise to God. Praise the Lord. Halla to Jah. Praise to God. That's how it is. Hallelujah. But Hosanna means nothing like that. Hosanna means it's a prayer. Save us now. They are praying. So when they were shouting to Jesus, laying palm fronts down, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna is, thank you, you have come. Save us now. It, wasn't, it was a form of worship, quite all right, because the worship side of it is that they are recognizing that this is the person that can save. But actually, it was a prayer. What am I going to say? That time, there was a thick thing in the air about understanding the need to be saved. But how it manifested in Israel was that they were under oppression by the Romans. Their request was to be saved from the oppression of the Romans. But the point I'm making is that they were praying for what? Salvation. They were praying for deliverance. They were praying for the kingdom of God. They were looking forward to the coming of a king like David was. I hope you are getting my point. That was what they were praying about. And that was what Jesus was referring to, of course, using his own understanding, which he had that he did not have. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he expected his people to pray for the kingdom of God. When he taught them to pray, what did he say? Pray like this, thy kingdom Thy kingdom. They were supposed to pray for his kingdom to come. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. I'm saying something here. When people say the right prayers, there is a reward that goes with it. And listen, it's supposed to be the preoccupation of the church of Christ to pray the coming of his kingdom. 
Listen to this. Anything God wants to do, people must pray them into, pray it into existence. Jesus was coming. People prayed him to come. We know two people whose names were given to us. Simeon and Amen. Hannah. And there were many more people. Now, I believe, you can argue this, but I am convinced. I am convinced, all right? That was not only in Israel that those people existed. They existed far and near. That was why wise men from the east, what were they doing looking there? What were they looking for? They were already looking. Jesus didn't come to save Israel. Did he come to save Israel? Who did he come to say? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. It makes sense, therefore, that it's possible that all over the place, here and there, people were praying for this Savior to come. And that was why from here and there, I told you that Sadhu Sunda Selvaraj said one of those men was an Indian. And it makes sense. Why is man from the East? He claimed, now, I say what? He claimed. It's not the Bible, but it's a nice story. Very romantic. He said that was the person, you know, there was a time they came to Jesus and said, we saw one fellow. He was healing the sick, casting out demons in your name. And we stopped him, said, who gave you the right? He's not one of us. And Jesus told them, shouldn't have done that. Can I remember that? Yes, shouldn't have done that. Those who are... You know, how did he say again? Those who are not against us. It's the way he said it anyway. You know, you know what I'm talking about. What Sadhu Severaj said is that that man, that was one of the wise men. How many were there? All right, good. <laughs> we don't know the number. You fell for that. Sorry. <laughs> we don't know the number. The Bible just said wise men from the east. They brought three kinds of gifts. Gold, myrrh, and frankincense. The number wasn't told us. Uh, It's feeling bad. (laughs) So he said, that was one of the wise men that came, that he returned about 30 years later to come and see the son that was born that day. And he came to Jesus, he worshipped him. And Jesus gave him the anointing. You know, he used to give people anointing. He sent them out two by two and gave them power to cast out demons, to you know, to heal the sick and all of that. He said, he did the same to that man. And that's how come the man was going on his way. He was doing what the other people too used to do. And they saw him and said, oh, come, 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 come. Which church are you from? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, what I'm going to emphasize by that is that I believe, I'm convinced, there were people here and there, all over the place, praying. They were in different places. They were praying for the kingdom of God to come. Their prayers gathered. They were gathered before the throne of God. Used to guide the coming of Jesus into the earth. Used to protect him as a little boy. Used to raise him up. They were praying. That's how it works. That's why be careful what you use your mouth for. Let me tell you, what Satan does is to give us other things to use our mouth for. Tell us everything wrong with Abuja, with the president with the vice president, with the senate president, with the deputy senate president, with the supreme court, you know, all the justices, the courts of appeal, the police, the state government, 
civil defense, thank you. <laughs> it will show you everything that is wrong. Just to keep you talking. Keep you busy morning, <laughs> afternoon, and night. You are not offering any serious prayers. You are not saying anything. Just be busy. Keep reading the back of this day. I know the more you read the back of this day, or punch, or sun, all of them. You know one thing? I don't read back page. You know why? It's the opinion of a sinner. The opinion of, of an ignoramus who has his own personal agenda to promote. It's like watching CNN for analysis of the news. Are you not the one begging to be confused? The problem with such things is that the more you read them, the more they buy you in. They keep you occupied. When you open your mouth, you are not speaking the counsel of God. You are speaking the counsel of the editor of a newspaper who has his agenda. They are not people of truth. I hope you know that. None of them. I wanted to subscribe once. I used to enjoy reading Economist. I, so I was, I was about to subscribe, you know, because you could get preview to some, many of the articles. You pay some money, you get the whole magazine. So I was about I used to enjoy it. Then one day I read an article on prostitution. And they explained why prostitution needed to be legalized in Europe, in UK. And they said as a magazine, they support that viewpoint. After that, now I carry my money, put them back for my pockets. So I know they read again. I'm not reading again. Before you start convincing me about the beautiful thing in prostitution, how we can take the wages of the harlot and put in the state coffers so we can prosper. That's what they said. They will register. It becomes a trade. They pay tax. That's okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm not reading again. I'm not reading again. Thank you very much. That's why I just, I, I was about to subscribe. Now I shook my money back for pocket. Say, God bless you. What am I to say? You spend your time reading these things. They are forming your opinions for you. That's Satan's assignment. Keep us distracted. Instead of praying the kingdom of God onto the earth, you know what we do? We comment on the darkness that is over, all over the place. Said today, ha. Steve, say yes, sir. Have you seen the color of darkness in Abuja right now? I heard that it's now dichromatic. The darkness waxes and wanes. Sometimes it is blue. It has a bluish tinge to it. It goes gray, then becomes very dark. Then lightens up a bit, then the breeze blows it back. Darkness is all over the place. Darkness, come on. <laughs> then Steve will carry his phone. Say, Chooks, <laughs> I just been talking with Pastor. Man, darkness in Abuja. And I heard the breeze is blowing it towards the south and towards the north. He said, what kind of darkness is that? It's the one that came from the collision of the black holes. So that when you have a, you know, a supernova formed, and then the darkness began to say, oh, darkness. Come on, darkness. Who's in charge of the current darkness? He says, Buhari. Okay. <laughs> then they spend days and hours declaring concerning the works of darkness. And they don't remember to say Light be. Yeah, that's what we do. The other day I was talking on radio. I, I said something like this that look, it's not a Christian's job to be criticizing government. Somebody called and said, What if you see what is wrong? I said, Call your senator. <laughs> I said, Walk to the government house, demand to see the governor. They don't agree, see the chief of staff. Get an appointment with your House of Rep member. That is how you handle what is wrong. You have to comment on it. But now you go to the pages of the newspaper and start talking. And the men you are talking to, they are not reading it at all. But that's what Satan does to us. Keeps us busy. That's what I'm going to make. Keeps us busy. 
But whatever God wants to do requires our participation. And I'm emphasizing towards the game we began the last time on what we are supposed to be praying about. I've said all of these things to let us know that these things that we are saying require us to pray. Peter said, we must not neglect these things and pay attention to what? Tables. What are we neglecting? The mini- that prayer and the ministry of the word. That prayer thing, it showed that it was important to him that they led the church to pray. And I'm teaching us again today, beginning from last time, the kind of prayer that must grip our hearts. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what I'm talking about. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. What am I saying? When you want to pray in the morning, this must be part of your prayer. It must be the thing that is topmost in your heart. Let me revise something I said before. All right? Because we're going to be taking the prayer, no, no, the prayer points like that, begin from, I mean, continue from today. Explain to Christians how to pray. Listen to this. I said this before. Jesus did not come to remove the curse that's on the earth. He came to create a new kingdom that we are supposed to step into. We looked at that from the story of um, the serpents. John told us as, as Moses lifted up his serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes will in him have eternal life. What is the principle there? Now, now what happened that time was serpents beat people. The serpents were biting the people. But God did not give Moses the remedy so as to remove the serpents. He just said, if, serpent, if the serpent bites you, look at the cross. If the serpent bites you, look at the serpent that's on the pole. Look at it attentively, steadfastly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. If you do that, you will be healed. That tells me something. If there's a curse on the earth, God is not removing the curse. He's bringing us out of the curse into the blessing. I've established, looking at a continent like, a continent like ours, listen, as a matter of fact, he placed a curse. That's no I did. Curse be Canaan. We know his curse be Ham, he said. A servant of servants he will be. That curse was on Cush. That curse was on Put. It was also on Mizraim, not Canaan alone. And we are saying that if people are not blessed, are you getting my point? It's not as if God has forsaken them. He is saying their blessing is only in Christ Jesus. Are you getting my point? You cannot pray dead people to walk. You have to give them life first. You cannot motivate the dead to walk. What you can do is to breathe life into them. And I'm saying, the gospel of Jesus, listen to me, this was all God was doing from the beginning. God didn't have two solutions to the problems of mankind. He had only one. If you go and listen to our series, The Revelations of God, when we began to talk about, the, we studied Genesis. We studied, the, the, the time we went through Genesis, that is, apart from the Revelation of God, we took Genesis and went through it line by line. When we were studying, I realized something. Listen, listen, let me tell you something now. There is a reason why the dates of the earth are centered around Jesus. There is a reason. There is a reason why God orchestrated it to be like that. There are two, I mean, there are two seasons of mankind, and it's in the Bible. He said the former times and the latter days. God spoke in diverse manners through the prophets in the former times. And in these last days, he has spoken in his son. That is, there are just two epochs in mankind's existence. Before Jesus, which was the former times, and after him, which is the latter days. 
And whether human beings like it or not, the dates have come to stay. Chinese will try to write their own dates. Islam tries to write his own dates and to you know, avoid all of this. But it's almost impossible. God did that deliberately. The Jews changed it. People who don't want to recognize Jesus changed it. Before we used to call it B.C. and A.D. All right? The concept of A.D., the year of our Lord, that's Jesus. Because when Christendom took over Europe, that was established. So they now don't call it B.C. and A.D. anymore. They call it before the common era and then the common era. So you have B.C.E. and C.E. That's what you find in secular you know, writings. They've tried to avoid A.D. and B.C. They, they now write B.C.E. and C.E. So as to accommodate the Jews and those who don't believe in Christ Jesus. They don't want the year of our Lord because that's pointing to Jesus Christ. What am I talking about, however? That is a fact. Everything points to Jesus. When God called Abraham, it was to bring Jesus. Go and read that story of Genesis. The whole of Genesis was spoken around two people. It was spoken around Abraham and around Israel. All the genealogy you read from Adam was to end in Abraham. After Abraham, it goes on till he gets to Jacob and his 12 sons. But why was God doing all of that? It was so that Shiloh would come. Are you getting my point? It was so that a deliverer would come out of Judah. Look, listen. It was planned. Everything was to bring forth Jesus Christ. Why? That is the solution to the problems of mankind. I hope you are getting my point. When he said it is finished, he knew what he meant. It was really finished. The plan of God had been executed. Jesus had come. He died for the sins of mankind to produce a new man. The first man, Adam, that God made and all his descendants, they failed. Are you getting my point? And there's what he calls the last Adam or the second man. And that is Jesus and all his descendants too. So what is God trying to do? If you see what God does all the time, listen to this. All, all the time, he will tell you, look, he tells um, Noah, everything is polluted. So Noah, what are we going to do? We are going to wipe everything off. And populate the earth with your descendants. I don't know whether you get my point. When I was angry with Israel, what did he say? He told, told Moses, we'll wipe them off and populate the land with your descendants. That's the way it goes. So what's God's plan now? His plan is we wipe Adam off and populate the earth with the descendants of the second man. That's all he's doing. When I get to this point, I start feeling like a prophet. <laughs> Cost is a man who trusts in flesh. Where you think you will go and hide so your descendants will be safe, the place is cursed already. What the Lord is saying, now listen, this Adam and his descendants, I'm wiping them off. I have thought about it. I was writing a particular segment of our book on Ecclesiastes, and I just made a statement, listen, there is no how this earth will not have its troubles. It most certainly we have. Just lo- listen to the news. Unless something is happening in Europe that's not being covered by the news. Unless something is happening that's not being covered by the news. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry. People cannot survive for long and they don't kiss the sun. If they institutionalize the denial of God and his son Jesus... He will wipe them off. He will. I'm not saying paradventure. 
Let nobody preach grace to you that says because Jesus died, God doesn't wipe people off anymore. The Bible makes it clear that next time it's by fire. He wipes people off. He does. The only solution he has brought is Jesus Christ. I hope you're getting my point. The only solution he brought is Jesus Christ. Sometimes, you know, I just, you know, I read, I have a map on, on Africa, of Africa on my computer. In fact, my former computer, it was my desktop. That's my screensaver, the lock screen. Once you put on the computer, the first thing you see is the map of a huge chunk of Africa. I just look, <laughs> I look all over the countries. There's some that look at their population, look at the landmass. I look at a place like a Democratic Republic of Congo, a country that's two and a half times the size of Nigeria in size. It's massive. The population is not as much, but the landmass is massive. Very rich land. All kinds of minerals in its hills and its mountains. Water crisscrossing everywhere. Rich soil. Poor country. How do you explain that? And it's not unique to it too. There are countries all over Africa like that. Before I used to want to pray for their prosperity, and I used to pray. Now I have stopped. You don't want them to prosper, they will prosper. But there is no prosperity possible for them outside Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it because I'm a Christian. I'm saying it because it's a fact. You want them to prosper? You know what you do? You will pray for them. You will pray that the land will open to the gospel. You will pray. Now, this is how I'm analyzing the prayer points. You will pray that the land will open to the gospel. You will pray that God will send laborers into the harvest. You will pray that God will give them the spirit of boldness so that they will not fear and run away. You will pray that when they mention the name of Jesus, that he will do signs and wonders in his name. You will pray that those lands will be filled with the knowledge of Christ Jesus as the water covers the seas. That's the only thing you can pray. That is when you will see stable government. That is when you will see prosperity. That is when the white man will stop looking down on them. There is no other solution. There is none other. There is no other solution. If they are mobilizing men to go and train them in business, I won't give them an offering. I know you are wasting time. If you are motivating, if you are gathering motivational speakers, I know you are wasting time. Last time we saw it, Four days, we were all there, motivating Lazarus. He didn't answer us. Four days, we were motivating Lazarus. One day, I couldn't eat. I was very ill. My auntie had came to visit. I mean, just came to visit also, my mom's elder sister. So, so that morning, they gave me food. They said I had not eaten for days. They were telling her. So, of course, I was looking very lean. You know how young men lose weight very fast when they have not eaten, you know, for a few days. So I sat on the dining table that day. They gave me just ordinary pap. And my appetite was zero. So I didn't eat it at all. So my mother just passed a comment. That's what I've been doing, though. Know, I refused to eat the last few days. You know, my aunt started crying. I'm serious. She came to my front, knelt down, and continued crying. Now I chop the food. <laughs> I remember I ate oh. I, I felt like vomiting the food, but you had to go down. <laughs> Talk about motivation. <laughs> Lazarus's aunties 
They motivated him for four days. Did not get up. I'm talking about the height of motivation. His aunties motivated him for four days. He didn't get up. His uncles joined. Their own motivation is not crying. It's anger. How can he just die like that? Who will not take care of every problem he's left behind? The sisters were crying and crying. Four days. Lazarus didn't answer anybody. When Jesus came there, he spoke one word. Lazarus, come forth. He did not need begging. So, if they say contribute money to hire mourners, I would not have paid. I don't know what I get my point. But if I really love Lazarus, and I heard that Jesus is in Lagos, there's crisis in Shagam, there's riot in Ejebude, there's a flood in Ore, there are headsmen in Bini, the Niger Bridge has collapsed, and Lazarus is in Enugu. And they say to bring Jesus here, we need to hire a private jet. And they say the cost is I have to sell my car. And I love Mary. I love Martha. Let me ask you a question. Will I sell that car? I will fly Jesus in on a chartered flight. Because I know once he shows up, all this wailing will come to an end. If all the wailers, Bob Marley and Co., assuming those who didn't catch it, Bob Marley's crew was called Bob Marley and the Wailers. That's how you know small, small boys and girls. <laughs> if all the whalers are charging just the cost of a tire, an old one, I won't pay them. I won't bother because they are not going to wake Lazarus up for me. But I will gladly sell the whole car or a second one if that's what it will cost to fly Jesus in from Lagos. Because once he comes, we just say, oh God, come, just follow me. The, don't even ask me. I know what you want to say. Where have they laid him? I know the place. Come. That is the place. Should we remove the stone? Or you want to use your voice to remove the concrete? <laughs> because once he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is coming forth. That is why we spend money on the gospel. We know it is a source of life. We know that is a solution. That is why we pray concerning the coming of the kingdom of Christ Jesus. Listen to me. It solves erosion problems. It solves Boko Haram problems. It solves ethnic clashes. Hezmen versus farmers. It solves it. I, I hope you're getting my point. Let me tell something to you. Islam doesn't have any power. It's only the church that can withdraw. I don't know what I get my point. They are a force that occupies the vacuum that we create when we live. Did you understand? They are an occupying force that takes over the vacuum created by the absence of the gospel. If it wasn't like that, then the words of Jesus are wrong. There's wrong what Jesus said that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I have never in a country like this believed. You know when I say Christians gather? Boy, I don't vote for him. Don't vote for him. I really don't care who you vote for. That is not the problem. I, I, I don't care. Can we gather to support a candidate? That's one of the most stupid things Christians can gather to do. Sorry. That's what I think. Unless we're a political party. But we are not. We're a praying party. People say, that's brother with Christians. They'll be hiding behind prayer. Where else do you want to hide? 
Where does he want to hide? So you bury your head in the sand. If that sand is the word of God, please bury my neck with it. Push my shoulders into it. The problem is that people don't understand the power of prayer. That's why they talk like that. They don't understand the power of prayer. That is why they talk like that. If you understood that God reigns in the affairs of man, if you understood that God chooses leaders, I'm not saying you won't vote. Voting, I've said before, you can read my article on voting. Voting is a statement you make. It's not the way by which you elect the leaders. Understand the Christians. It's a statement. Anytime you thumbprint something, you are saying something to God. You can be saying that every prayer I've prayed, I don't believe in it by that vote. Do you know that? I told one of my well, roommates, those days in school, Law Students Association, they were doing their election. He came to the host hall. Let, let us assume there was one guy called um, Charles Darwin. He came to the host and was angry with Charles. Charles Darwin is, he doesn't know anything. That guy is incompetent. He's unserious. He can't run the association. People like him, what are they doing contesting? We shouldn't have people like that in that faculty, not even to talk about them contesting for public posts in that place. Nonsense. Charles Darwin. <laughs> that one too. He finished speaking, speaking, speaking. He said, anyway, Sha, I voted for him. <laughs> Listen to me. Apart from the name, I've not exaggerated anything he said. He probably said worse. Then he ended with, anyway, Sha, I voted for him. So I said, Polo, you voted for Charles Darwin? He said, yes. I said, why? He said, he's my brother. What's my brother? He's from my local government. What's my brother? We are distant cousins. What's my brother? We are from the same state. The opponent is not from our state. When we do things like that, we have by one single vote cancelled our prayers. It is not the election that we have affected directly. It is our prayers we have cancelled. So I'm not saying Christians, you don't vote. Oh, you should vote. Sometimes refusal to vote can be your way of tackling God. I really don't care. So it's not your vote that's counting directly now. It's your attitude that is expressed in your vote. I hope you're getting my point. So I'm not saying Christians shouldn't vote. No. You should. But your vote does not decide. God decides. I keep on giving examples, or giving us an example, the election of Donald Trump. The crisis around it is still on. Cambridge Analytica has gone down because of Donald Trump. Facebook has been in trouble. Share price even went at a particular point in time because Cambridge Analytica was being accused of misusing the Facebook data. All things are going on. Everything because of Donald Trump. Russians have had problems with Americans because of Donald Trump. But why I like that example is that as at August, when he was down at the bottom of the polls, Sadhu Sundar Selvaraj stood up and said I was in the council of heaven. And I stood there, and there was a council sitting, and Father Abraham was presiding. And I saw the spirit of Donald Trump appear. And I was told, that is the next president of the United States of America, that he has been chosen specially for the job. And he said it openly, publicly, of course, in a meeting like this. It was a Christian gathering, and the video was placed on YouTube. I hope you're getting my point. 
And the day of the election, do not. In fact, he said, when Sadhu talked about it later, he said, on that video, he said three people were shocked when Donald Trump won. Like, Clinton was shocked. Americans were shocked. And Donald Trump was shocked. <laughs> Donald Trump was shocked. No, God, look, all the people that have talked about it, they said the man was surprised. When he heard he won, he was, they said his wife broke down, said Eklai. That the woman said, what? I'm going to be first lady. That will be begging her, it's not so bad, Bele, don't cry. He's <laughs> just first lady of America, don't worry. The woman didn't understand why on earth they have put this wahala on her neck. You know she's not American. What am I going to explain? Nobody's votes decided. It was God that decided. And once he has decided, things start arranging to fit the purpose of his will. Let's get that very clear. Please, I'm explaining something here. Christ Jesus is the solution to all of the problems of this earth. It's not our government. It is Christ Jesus. You will say, what is the job of the government? It is to keep order so we can advance the gospel. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. Oh, it's true. What I've said is not supposed to be a joke. It's really true. You'll be amazed. I mean, he will say, ah, listen. Why did God start NYSC? Sorry, let me like this. Why did Nigeria start NYSC? Because the Lord said, I want young men and young women to preach the gospel in all the corners of Nigeria. One of the attacks of the enemy was to make our young men and young women, especially their parents, afraid to go. So we started deploying ourselves. We'll give birth to you in Enugu. You go to CIC, UNEC, and then serve in Ogu. Why? The North is dangerous. Before, you could go to CIC, not a problem. You could go to UNEC. I mean, that was not an issue. But service, you know you are going to Sokoto. You know. You know. You, you don't need to be told. When you see your posting, you know it's KB. In Jesus' name, it's KB. When Satan wanted to launch an attack, he mounted serious accusations. And he directed all of us back. Say, go to where you are safe. Go to where you are safe. Go to where you are safe. They would have said, hey, you must scrap NYC. You must scrap NYC. God said, until my purpose. Now, now, when I say God said, listen to this. God said, until my purpose is done, I won't scrap it. But he said, for my purpose to be done, I need all of you to stop talking that nonsense. If every Christian says, scrap it, I will shut it down. You must understand the role of prayer. If all of us say, scrap it, 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 God said, fine, shut it down. I will say, good, we are restructuring. God said, idiots. They don't understand. They have ended a purpose I had in that area. Ignorant people, they have ended my purpose. Now, we'll still go there, but it'll take longer. What I've like accomplished in 50 years, now going to take 150. He said, they killed some of our coppers. God said, road accidents killed much more inside Lagos. You have not stopped driving. Gang violence on campuses killed much more. What have you done about it? You have not closed the schools. It is NYC you want to stop. Why did NYC start? Let me not forget that. Because years ago, I think before the Civil War or shortly after, or during the Civil War, before the Civil War ended at least, either before it started, Sidney Elton prophesied that the time will come that the federal government of Nigeria will be paying young men and women 
to preach the gospel all over the country. When he said it, it sounded like, how can that happen? How could that possibly be true? Nobody knew how it was going to happen. Then one day the war ended, and the Spirit moved upon General Gowan. And he said, we need to reintegrate the country. We need to have the country become, you know, it should be knit together as one. Every young man, every young woman graduating from a tertiary institution in Nigeria will serve the country for one year, and the federal government will pay. So NCCF is the number one reason God started the NYSC. That's how it works. No, that's how it works. That's how it works. So why is there government in Nigeria? Why is there government in any country? It is to keep the peace so that the gospel can move. That is why it is right for you to pray that everybody that will destabilize, the, 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 we, we prevent the advancement of the gospel, he should quit his seat. It's right to pray. Listen, this really happened. The Sultan of Sokoto, um, Dasuki, the one that was appointed by Babangida, he was a, he's a brilliant Muslim, zealous, hated the church, and he made it clear. So Archbishop Benson, that was ahead, what he was doing to persecute the church up there. So he boarded a plane and went to his palace and told him to stop. <laughs> Archbishop Bidawasa went there, asked to see him and warned him. The man didn't hear. And then the spirit moved upon Abacha. Abacha got angry and deposed him and sent him to exile in Jalingo. Listen, God is promoting his gospel. He's pushing the knowledge of Christ. That's what happened. So if you're wondering, why did, um, uh, why did Abacha remove Dasuki? That was the second reason I found out. Idawasa was in that palace and he told him, you have to end this persecution of Jesus. Otherwise, he will answer you. Thought it was a joke. Jesus came and removed the man. He came in the name of General Sani Abacha. Listen to our series, The Roman Road. That's why, look, don't think that Pastor Banky is a nice guy. He doesn't like money. It annoys me when you say that. That's why you won't give me any offering. Wicked soul. <laughs> I don't love money, but I like a bit of it. I'm going somewhere. He said, ah, he doesn't like money. All his messages are free on the internet. All the books are free. The other day, Apostle Lokemute, I calculated how many books are downloaded from our website. It's a minimum of 5,000 copies every month. Minimum. 5,000. That's some time ago now. No, not, I think I did about uh, last month or so, or two months ago. It came to 5,000 copies minimum every month that's downloaded. Books alone. I didn't count the sermons, all those uh, tracks in PDF. I don't need to tell you. Should I say yes? Which is in two parts there. God is the matchmaker and fundamentals of Christian marriage. It's really top of the list. We got a mail last week from um, uh, Ethiopia. I got a man, a woman, I don't know, but the name, you know, you don't know those, their names. The fellow said, please, uh, this book has changed his or her life, I don't know. 
requesting that whether, I don't know whether he or she is asking to do it or we should do it, but we have not replied, that they want, you, they want it in their language there. Their English is not the main language there. You see what I'm talking about? Now, I would not have gone to distribute books in Ethiopia. Why? I'll tell you. Simply because we put it out there free. So if you like a message, you can call your friend anywhere. Say, listen to this message. How do I get it? Go to pastor.ng. You see where I'm going on? So I call it the Roman road. That God did not create the internet so that we can be watching all kinds of you know, entertainment and all of that. He didn't create the internet just so we can talk to each other. He created the internet primarily. Now, many other things will be going on on it, but his primary goal is that the knowledge of Christ will spread. One day I was watching Coral Ridge Hour. That was the first time I stumbled into that. And uh, James Kennedy, that's his name, was preaching. And he gave a short history of the Roman Empire and explained that they conquered all the known world for one Let me summarize for one purpose. So as to build roads, some of which exist till today. These roads were built before Jesus came. They exist till today. What was the road for? So that the gospel could travel. So that it was easy to go by ship and by road. So it was easy to put, take the gospel from one place to the other. Why? Because God made the Romans conquer everywhere. And then they built roads so that the gospel could advance. That's why we call the internet our modern day Roman road. That's why I feel so good. It's not that of, I'm such a free man. You don't want the royalties from books. Why don't we charge for our materials? The primary, two reasons. One is payments for my sins. That's the less important reason. Say, so which sin did you commit? Those days, people say they are selling tapes. That's their problem. We, we dub it. No, they call dub it. We dub tapes. Look, if they put on it, please don't dub this tape. I say, it's your father's property. We still dub it. Still dub it. Still dub it. I, I couldn't understand when preachers tell me, don't dub the tape. I'm like, why? Oh, it's your father's property. Because you are the one that preached it. Does it make it your own? I said, okay, go and report me to God. So, Father, I came with petition. Banky and his friends, they are dubbing your word that I preached. If you were God, wouldn't you judge you? <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we did it. We see a book, say, wow. And those days, how much money did we have? You see one beautiful book like this. They say it's Kenneth Hagen. Ha! Now, you look the book, look the price. That time, 200 naira. Give the man photocopying, the guy will say 35. <laughs> Serious now, give the guy photocopying now, give me two copies. <laughs> and they are professional photocopiers. They flip, come back in two hours, they are bounded for you. And then you return the first to the owner, sit on the rest, and imbibe the truth. Mm. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. All your sins are forgiven. I didn't be- You please the word of God, I must pay before I read it. What nonsense is that one? I me and my brethren, what is it? I bought it, a sharp twin cam tape, you know, duplicator. So anytime you bring me a tape, I put it in, make my own copy. I used to go around with packs of empty tapes. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. The boys who sold empty tapes, they knew me. You know, Shodi, in Lagos. Let me buy empty cases. One, me, buy one empty case. Because of what? When you can buy two rolls. I'm not kidding. I bought 30 years ago. 
I said, give me two packs of 90, one or 60. So I carry, what am I doing with it? I'm not selling tapes, I'm carrying it home. I put it there. You just come and say, ah, Mikey, hear this message. I hear it. I say, no worry, no need to hear it. Give, give me. Put it inside my tape. Boom. I press this thing. And that sharp twin can, 90 minute tapes, you know, one side is 45 minutes. It runs twice as fast. The Lord bless you and keep you and increase you. I collect my stuff like that. I would do for myself. Ask my wife. Only when I, when, 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 first I was coming to see her. I said, it's not good to go empty-handed. All you men want to visit a woman, you go empty-handed. Nothing for you. Nothing. They're not going to welcome you. A man's gift makes a way for him. <laughs> so I said, what would I carry you? I just went to my collection. Ta, 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 ta. Mm, this one is good for a young woman. Go for discoveries. David Oedipo. Enter my, t- put it inside. I always had empty tapes. <laughs> I had, I always had. Panarek, Newlek, Maxell. Uh, this one, there's this one, SKC, Ghostar. These are the brands of empty tapes I used to buy. One day my mother came. My auntie, who I was staying with, reported me that this boy finishes all his money on cassettes. That time, my mother had now mentioned, I went home actually. And I said, your auntie said you finish all your money on cassettes. I said, she said, all my money. Abby, that's the end of the discussion. I said, all my money. Not all her money. <laughs> she was all my money. And my sister turned to my mother and I explained to her, she was sick that time, that a pack of drugs she was taking could buy many of these tapes. That my mother should stop talking. My mother said, it is true. Because that time, Tarivid was a new drug. It was criminally expensive. But that was what the doctor prescribed for her to take. Are you, are you getting my point? Yes. So that is, when you see what I'm doing, giving messages online, just download it. <laughs> I, I know what I don't do. If I do otherwise, <laughs> if I do otherwise, if I do otherwise, <laughs> if I do otherwise, I do it. When is the word of God? I have no copyright. I have no respect for copyright. Though. Tell everybody, Pastor Banky does not respect copyright on the word of God. That his policy is, you have no right to copyright what is not your own. It's our father's property. It's our father. We are joined heads with Christ. We have one father. His anointing is not your own. It's our own. You know one thing I like about my wife? She does not recognize me here as her husband. That is Pastor Banky. My husband will soon come. So, once she annoyed me very much. I said, don't come near my Bible study. My wife said, you can't tell me that one. I said, I'm warning you. She didn't say anything. You know what she did? She came and waited outside till five. Once she heard me mount the pulpit, she entered, sat at the back. So after that, when we get home, I won't talk to you, but I must hear the word. When we get home, I won't talk to you, but the word that this guy wants to preach is not you. You're a wicked man. This one is an anointed man. The Lord is good. <laughs> so that is the reason why I do that. But the second most important reason, the most important reason is that, look, God has given us that avenue. And every time you tell somebody, click here, pay here, you complicated the process. And I have noticed, for every 10 people that will have clicked and downloaded and be blessed, once you get into the process of paying, 
They don't mind pain. Don't get me wrong. It's just that the complication reduces their chances of downloading that message. Why make it difficult? I know the truth. They are pain. In quotes. The same people will say, ah, without talking to you, they want to send you an offering to the ministry. It's 100,000. It's 10,000. It's 2,000. It's 50,000. It's half a million. It's one million. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? The most important thing the Lord is doing is advancing the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Therefore, it becomes a primary call, the primary focus of our prayers. Let's rise to our feet. I want us to pray for a few minutes. We'll pray for what we are doing. We'll pray for the body of Christ generally. But at least I hope I've explained today again that what Jesus, what God is doing is spreading the knowledge of Christ. What the Lord is doing is the, what? I didn't hear you well. What God is doing is spreading the knowledge of Christ. And when he said we should pray like this, thy kingdom come, that's what he was talking about. God, the peace is giving us, the good government is giving us. That's why if we don't, now listen to this, if he gives us good government, if he gives us prosperity, and we don't with this spread the gospel, he will take it. If he gives us peace, and we don't drive those roads to advance the truth, he will collect it back. If he gives us money, and we start flinging, you know what they call flinging? We start enjoying, he will impoverish us again. Listen, you must spend much more money. Listen, there are different ways you give money. You give money to help the poor. You give money to honor people. All right? There are many more things. But let me say this to you. You must spend much more preaching the gospel than you spend enjoying yourself. That's what I want to say. You have no business carrying your wife and children traveling abroad for holiday when you have not given three times that amount of money in the last one year to preaching the gospel. You don't have that business. I'm warning you, better stop it. Otherwise, God will stop the ability of you to go anywhere. You will find it hard to get to Lagos. You don't stop that rubbish. You want to build a house in the village. Because how many crusades have you sponsored in the same village? Coppers are doing rather rugged in your village. Have you gone to cooperate with them? And looking for land to fence. If you are, what you don't tell him, you say, the church gets money. It's what we'll do with it. Might be our problem. We don't know how to spend it. We start creating all kinds of ideas. Like I said in Port Harcourt, you just wake up and say, extend this church into the river. When the money is too much, you don't know what else to do. You start coming up with strange ideas. Then when the same church say go to a village, you can't you can't pay a pastor to stay there. The pastors all run away. Yeah. Now look, you need extra grace not to run. God gives us money to fill this nation with the knowledge of Christ Jesus as the water covers the seas. That's it. It must be our priority. That's what He's doing. He, he will give us good government. So that so what the way Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy, pray that we can do what. Pray for, let's read it again. Apostle, your favorite scripture. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Say, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a quiet, a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, 
who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why is he giving us quiet and peaceable, tranquil life? It's so that we can use that quietness to help men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It is not so that we too can say Nigeria has developed. Let's close. But before we do that, let's just take a minute and pray. Say, Lord, give us a good government. Now you have a different reason why you're asking. Say, Lord, give us a good government. We pray for, I want to hear your voices praying. Say, we pray for the government in Nigeria. We pray for the president. We pray for his vice. We pray for the inspector general of police. We pray for the military chiefs. We pray for the, for the legislative house. We pray for our governor and all that governors around. Lord, give them wisdom. Help them so that we will lead a quiet and tranquil life in all godliness. In the name of Jesus. Now, in our hearts, we know why we are asking. So that we can leave Enugu and go to Oka in peace and preach. And all the villages around. We can leave Enugu and go to Abakiliki in peace. We can leave Enugu and go to Sokoto in peace. We can leave Enugu and go to Meduguri in peace. We can leave Enugu and go to Yola in peace. We can from Lagos move to different parts of the western Nigeria and the rest of this country and beyond into the rest of Africa. Oh, Lord, you bring prosperity into the land. Not because you want to see Abu Dhabi or Dubai or France or, you know, or United States, but so that we can pay for the preaching of the gospel in every nook and cranny of this nation and every nation of Africa and beyond, that we will take the gospel. Lord, we ask you, therefore, for peace, for wisdom for our leaders, and for prosperity for the land, for this purpose, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you, Lord, release it. Release it. Once again, it is written. You will shake the heavens and the earth. You will cause silver and gold to flow into our hands. My cities, he said, through prosperity, shall yet be spread abroad. In the name of Jesus. Lord, cause prosperity to come. It's interesting that the word in Hebrew for peace is the same word for prosperity. We receive shalom from your hands. In the name of Jesus. We receive prosperity. To my lead a quiet and prosperous life. Can you see that? Oh, Father, we ask for, for a quiet and prosperous life in this nation. So we may by that advance the cause of the gospel. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Let's give him thanks because he answers us. Let's give him thanks. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Because we know the most important thing you are doing is spreading the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. The most important thing you are doing is spreading the knowledge of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, let there be a release of the anointing to heal the sick, the anointing to raise the dead, the anointing to do mighty works, mighty wonders in this nation, into the hands of your body for the advancement of the knowledge of Christ, to show that indeed Jesus is Lord, that will mention the name of Jesus. Let mighty works be done. Let's give him thanks. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We are living here. We are not living in your presence. Goodness and mercy is going with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Divine protection is your portion. Amen. As you travel and as you return, Amen. no evil will befall you. Amen. No plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death 
and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ.